Welcome to episode 119 of The Roger Snipe Show. Roger Snipes Show. Most people think that when you get older, you're supposed to deteriorate and become weaker. It is true that most people's physical prime peaks at around 30 years old. Then we see a low decline in hormones, muscle growth, recovery, and energy levels. Why does our prime end? As we age, damage and stress increase within our bodies. One night of bad sleep in your 20s is very different than when you're in your 30s, 40s, or older. The average man will lose 1% of his muscle mass every year beyond 30, even if they maintain the same diet and exercise routine. Most people say that this is normal and part of aging, but what if you could change that and stay youthful for longer? What if we could take advantage of our experience in life, then combine it with elevated levels of health? We can with Prime. Prime is your ultimate guardian for muscle, strength, recovery, and hormone health. Prime is packed with clinically validated premium ingredients that help build muscle, maintain healthy hormone levels, and keep you in your prime longer. There's no shortcuts here. Prime is a collection of the utmost premium supplemental solutions to keep you at your best or prime for as long as possible. It contains creatine and GAA. Research shows that creatine has important anti-aging effects in vital tissues throughout the body. It enhances mitochondrial functions which helps reduce aging. It also has GAA, which is a precursor to creatine that converts to creatine into our cells. A patented combination leads to higher levels in the muscles and brain compared to monohydrate alone. Tesna, a new natural testosterone booster clinically validated to improve total testosterone levels in young and old males alike. HMB, a gold standard dose of hydroxymethylbutyrate, perhaps the only supplemental ingredient more powerful than creatine for men over 30 by increasing anabolism, which is muscle growth, and inhibiting catabolism, muscle breakdown, leading to better body composition and improved performance benefits. It also has betaine anhydrous, zinc citrate, and boron citrate, which all contributes to improved vitamin intake, healthy testosterone production, anabolic hormones, IGF-1, muscular performance, boost in strength, reduced fatigue, and cardiovascular improvement. Check out drinkhrw.com and use coupon code SNIPES10 for 10% off. Yo, what's going on, peeps? Hope everyone is great. I am just slowly starting to regain my flow <laughs> with doing podcasts again. As you know, before, um, on, on the last podcast, I'd mentioned it had been a while, probably almost a year, a year break. So it's about kind of gathering those uh, interviewees who I can speak to. Uh, the person who I have on the podcast today goes by the name of Armin Starr. She is a singer-songwriter. Um, if you look in the show notes, I give a little bit more detail. Um, a singer, composer, songwriter, but she has a deep 
interest and curiosity in modern and ancient uh, Egypt. So we talk quite heavily on that. We also talk about um, religious texts, um, you know, ancient scrolls, and I guess mainly to do with, you know, like trying to live a a good life. You know, some some people follow religion for that. Some people try to take a bit more of a a, a spiritual viewpoint, and some people see spirituality as not not properly structured. So it's really interesting as we start to like look into that. Um, so that's pretty much what the podcast is on. But it's funny because at a later time, I know that she's a singer composer, but on her Instagram account, I just see her mainly talking about Egypt, which is a reason why this discussion even took place. And I decided to have a look at some of her music, which you can find on SoundCloud. And she's got many different songs there. And what's interesting is the genre of music is not just one. It's it's varied. And that in itself is quite fascinating because, you know, most people's albums, it's when you get the album, it's, you know, it's pop or rock, um, you know, indie, uh, hip hop classical or whatever but like when you start to go through the list of hers it shows afro beats pop country electric pop again electric pop but yeah interesting has a little sample of one of the songs which was posted six days ago i'll just pay, play a little bit of it it's called the way i love As you can hear, this is Afrobeats. All right, not going to get too much into that. That's like 30 seconds. And there's one called, let's have a look, uh, Sincerely, which is pop so you probably will be able to notice um yeah the tone difference and just the beat itself Okay, this is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like it. Um, but yeah, so today's topic, as I said, is going to be quite heavily on modern ancient Egypt, um, comparing um, different religions and spirituality. And um, mm -mm -mm -mm. I guess... I guess like, you know, mysteries of the unknown, you know, we, we, we as humans, we're quite curious. Well, 
many of us are anyway, like trying to find out untapped truths of what is happening around us. So the the discussion was quite varied. And um, yeah, I'm very excited for you to listen or watch this podcast. Um, but yeah, here we go. So let's bring on Armin Starr. Morning, Armin. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. I, I've been quite fascinated with your work because I see you post lots of stuff on on Egypt, and I don't know anything about Egypt, so I'm hoping that today you'll be able to satisfy a lot of curiosity. Um, so you currently. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I live here, so you know, I'm I'm deep diving into the culture, not just the ancient Egyptians, but the modern Egyptians. So it's um quite a cultural journey I've been on being an American woman. <laughs> it's it's very, very different here. It's interesting because most people who talk about Egypt, they they tend to talk about ancient Egypt a lot of the time. And you you mentioned modern Egypt, which I guess maybe natives would be interested in in what they're doing currently but not so much people who talk about it in videos youtube videos or let's say things on gaia they tend to go more into the ancient stuff so that's that's pretty interesting i'd love to learn about that as well but um you everyone loves the mysteries you know everyone wants to know what they don't know already so but yeah. actually, there's a lot about modern Egypt that nobody in the world knows about. That's what brought me to Egypt to begin with, because people at the time were saying that all Muslims were terrorists. And uh, <laughs> and I said, yeah. really? Like, how? You know, I'm just a small girl from California. I traveled a lot, but I didn't know anything about Muslims at all. I didn't have any, you know, I just knew that they believed in Quran. That's all I knew. Mm -hmm. And so when they started saying, you know, they did the the band, you know, they weren't allowed, to, Muslims weren't allowed to come to the US and they were making this big deal because there were some things happening here. And then someone said, but there's 300 million Muslims. They can't all be bad. And I was like, oh yeah, of course, duh. Mm. So then I was intrigued, like who, what does it mean to be Muslim, you know? Um, mm. And I'm surprised it's totally different than what the media portrays. Some of it is yes, but some, but it's really different, like 180 degree um, yeah. people, you know, everyone's people wherever you go. So It's kind of the job of the media though, isn't it? To twist and turn everything and uh, create extreme dogma in every single situation. And yeah. uh, it's, it's quite, it's really interesting how they're, they, you know, they steer people's feelings a certain way and, there's always seems to be conflict and all that stuff, especially when it comes to religion. You know, yes. the moment the term religion is mentioned, people think, oh, I don't know about that. You know, it, yeah. it, it has a certain feel to it at times, you know, when Scary. it's yeah, supposed to be the other way around. So, um, so you're a singer as well, right? I am. Yeah, a, that's a my, that's my job. Uh, to write songs and sing. <laughs> That's beautiful. And you compose as well? I started out as a pianist and I worked on a lot of films. I did a lot of soundtracks in my life, mm -hmm. uh, mainly documentaries. 
And then I started writing songs later on because I wanted to sing more than just play piano. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah. Awesome. And um, you're originally from San Diego. I am. <laughs> ah, ah. And then moved to California to pursue your passion in music, was it? Did it work that no, way? No, I moved away from California to oh. get from America when I was very young. Mm. I moved to New Zealand and then Australia. Um, I got a record deal in Australia, which was a funny record deal actually, but um, it was fun. And then I went to England and wrote with a bunch of really big pop stars, including uh, like Kiki D, who used to write for Elton John. I did a lot of really big things in England. I had a record deal I wrote with um, even Jamiroquai. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, Jamiroquai, um, yeah. Yeah, Jamiroquai. Um, I was very good friends with Imogen Heap. Um, I sang for Paul McCartney. I've really met some amazing people in the world, but I wasn't ready to say what I wanted to say at that time. I didn't have, I had the musical ability, but I didn't have the lyrical ability. You know, I didn't, mm. it, you know what I mean? Like the words just didn't. So it wasn't until I guess probably 2016 that I started to really feel my voice and, and start writing. And now I'm gravitating towards, um anything that sounds good and feels good mm, right 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 so you you you're currently in Egypt how long have you been there um I've been here for two years now mm. yeah. plans to stay or just visit we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I think yeah. so yeah yeah uh, it depends depends on the dollar but yes it's right. a lot of things flux Okay. Um, but Egypt's an amazing place to go to because it doesn't have a lot of technology. So I initially decided to stay here because I wanted to really dive into other things. You know, music is life, of course, but um, the other side of me that makes me musical, that makes me channel is being spiritual. I mean, that's the other side of most artists, you know, they mm. have a very strong spiritual side. So when I came to Egypt, I realized that I could really explore that in a new way. Um, having been raised strong Christian, I kind of rebelled against it and rebelled against everything I knew only to find it again, but in a different way, um, I guess on my own terms, you know, right. so, yeah. I feel that's definitely important, you know, um, cause I remember when I was younger, I was forced to go to church and <laughs> I just hated it, you know? Yeah. I just sitting there while everyone's singing hymns and I was like I don't like these songs I don't like these people why am I here you yeah. know and it was not until I was older and until I think I was searching for some sort of meaning and founded uh founded uh found uh some kind of grounding through uh going to church you know meeting people who are a bit more um open-hearted people who um seemed to 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 have purpose in their life and um at that point it, it did work quite a lot for me so you definitely need to find it in your own journey through your own purpose your own meaning otherwise yeah. um yeah I guess that rebel will it will eventually happen you know there's only so far people can 
force you to do it you know um i think as a child too you um you look up to everyone around you so god and faith and religion is such a perfect thing you know it's god right mm -hmm. but humans are not perfect and that message needs to be conveyed more if you're going to be in a religion the religion is to give you an ideal system to live up to but it's not to punish you if you can't get there because you'll never get there in this life you have to die and then god judges you according to how good you tried okay mm -hmm. so a lot of the times god is looking for the intention um and because that's pure you know that's pure like if you really meant to do your best and the quran talks a lot about this it says that if you did your very best according to what you know then you're as good as somebody who did better than you and in, in physical sense you know right right, um, right because you did everything you could so what more can you ask i mean mm. that's it definitely the effort you know um and I think you don't necessarily need to well my personal views is you don't necessarily need to um label yourself any particular religion oh I'm part of this faith um so our faith is better than yours because we have this and that I, I just don't know about that um and that is one of the things which I guess I wasn't really feeling when I was going to church and I eventually thought do you know guys it's been cool but I'm out the energy which I'm getting right now it's just not really working for me I just want to I just want to be a good human being um mm -hmm. and I, you know just want to receive the same back the moment we start becoming very prejudiced with who's better than who I don't I'm not really feeling that so yeah it's a yeah. man-made concept that's that whole thing is a man-made concept and definitely in religion i think it was pushed quite strongly and people were killed on that concept you know that mm. someone is better than another person because of the way they think and what they do when god all along has brought lots of prophets to the earth and they all have the same message <laughs> mm. it's not a myth you know we're supposed to be good to each other we're not supposed to you know murder each other or cheat on each other or betray each other i mean these are just common sense we know that this is the way it is because when you do it it creates a lot of problems for everyone it's but every single prophet and every single religion talks about this so mm -hmm. there's the truth right there it's not rocket science as i say <laughs> really yeah. easy, you know <laughs> so um you said that um, it was um, not ancient Egypt, but uh, the the current Egypt. What would you call it right now? The, modern uh, Egypt. Modern Egypt, which brought you there. Now, what what is it about modern Egypt that brought you there exactly? I, I think it was the God conversation. Um, I was coming from California at the time, and. I would say I was a little bit lost in life, wasn't really sure where to go next. And I definitely felt like a, um, a feeling of emptiness, you know, like a, a lack of connection. I mean, I had friends and family and everything like that, but I still felt like something big was missing. And then I came here and modern Egypt is, for one thing, there's prayers that go off five times a day. 
and they remind you to pray. So everyone's praying five times, should be praying five times a day. So, I mean, wherever you go in the streets, you'll see people pulling out their, here, I have a prayer rug, even I pray. Um, and they pull out the rug and they pray. And um, that's part of your day. It's not something you do sometimes. It's, you know, you eat, you pray, you sleep and pray. And, you know, so there's this constant reminder that we're not alone, that we have a creator, that we have something bigger, whatever you want to call it. Um, that fills that void, that fills that emptiness inside. Because when you pray, you really feel like whole. You feel like you can do anything. Um, so that's what I found when I came here was that constant reminder and that practice of something greater. You know, I don't have to be Muslim to appreciate praying. You know, I don't have to be any particular religion um in order to enjoy that connection because god is god just says come and pray you know and then he'll tell you everything from there you don't need to wonder he will fill in all the gaps yeah yeah so you found um some kind of connection when you when you visited or was your plan to actually stay was it just okay let me visit this place i've heard a lot about it or no i didn't plan to stay i didn't plan to go even um, I had a girlfriend who was doing tours and she said, why don't you come to Egypt? Because she knew I needed something. Um, and I said, sure, why not? And when I arrived, I was surprised that it wasn't even in my mindset to go to Egypt. You know, I was, when I landed the smell of the air, the lighting, the people, the, the feel of the place was very attractive to me in a sense that I knew I had been there before. Um, it was just too homey, you know, mm. like homey and foreign at the same time. But what was familiar was things that stay like the air and the smell and the, the way it feels, you know, being close to the land. And um, yeah, so I immediately and then the music, the Arabic music was amazing for me because I hadn't as an artist, I hadn't really dived into Arabic scales. So that was fresh and new. Um, so that attracted me the most to come back. And then I immediately started to make an album here. Mm. Um, that was my first of two albums. And then, yeah, we won a lot of awards for trying to combine Arabic rap with Arabic <laughs> and then Western melodies and pop. And it was kind of, you know, mishmash of everything. But yeah, then I started coming back a lot um, because I was addicted after that to being here. And it really is kind of an addiction. If you ask any other foreigner who stays, they will describe it the same. You feel uh, like a pull it keeps pulling you back. Yeah, um, yeah. I've heard that. I've, heard that. <clears throat> I've seen I've seen documentaries where people have visited and maybe have gone to certain places, um, historical places, and they feel either a sense of euphoria or even even tearful where they yeah. just just burst of emotions nostalgia for sure a lot of nostalgia yeah mm, mm. so yeah it's funny because everyone has their own experience um but i remember the moment we, we took the normal camel ride you know we all got on camels and went around the pyramid we took the long way around and something that you always get as a tourist is people are really friendly you know they say welcome to Egypt that's their favorite line because they don't know a lot of English 
Right. So you get a lot of people saying welcome to England, um, to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And um, but when I went around on the pyramids, I felt like I had been there for many years. And something very strange happened is all of the tour guides came and said, welcome home <laughs> to me. So I was like, oh, this is normal, right? You know, like, I'm sure they're just putting on a, but it wasn't normal at all. The good tour guides said they never do that. They all were walking in a line and said, welcome home. And so it's interesting because I discarded all of these signs, but then later, you know, now who I am here, it makes sense. I am home. You know, this is where somehow my DNA is connected here. I don't know how, but, um, but it's been a, an integral part of me becoming exactly who I am um, with no bias. Right. So did you feel as though you'd been there before in a past life, let's say? Yeah, I mean, definitely not in this life. So definitely in a past life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd never been there before. <laughs> so, but there is a lot of Egyptian culture in Western culture that we don't know. You know, a lot of symbolism being used, a lot of um, uh, energy, I would say, frequency being used in our culture from Egypt. Uh, like what exactly? Um, well, like... The original Illuminati came from Egypt. I wouldn't say that those are the same people controlling things now. The original Illuminati is an energy, um, and it was a group of people that knew how to use the secrets of the temples. The temples were used for practitioners. They were healers. They were magicians. They were um, people that, you know, you could go to the temple, bring an offering and ask for something, you know, and the people who knew how to make that happen for you, they would make it happen for you. So that was the original idea of the Illuminati were the people who had access to these secrets and they weren't people who were rich. They were people who worked (laughs) their ass off to learn what the secrets were. I mean, some of the rituals they had to endure were swimming with crocodiles they needed to have their frequency such a way that they could swim through tunnels of crocodiles and not get bitten. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they could manage that, then they were like, okay, now you can stay in the temple because you learned something. Okay. They weren't privileged. The Pharaohs weren't privileged. Not all of them were privileged. You don't understand that in the old days, they had to prove themselves. They weren't just born into it. Lots of people were born into into royal lines but you don't know about them right because mm-hmm. they didn't prove themselves they had to prove to either be extremely strong or extremely smart or extremely magical they had to have something to offer so that's wow. that's the original energy came from these rooms these temples where things were practiced it's so funny like what you hear of illuminati now mm, nothing of that sort no, and they do have, they do have a fraction. They're using the magic, but they didn't pay their dues. They're yeah. just rich and powerful, but they're not doing that. That's why it's so bad because they're not, they're not, um, they're not honoring what they know. You it, originally it was a sacred art, and now it's just being used for controlling people, and that, that's not the correct use of magic Mm. so what what led you to 
learning about the ancient part of Egypt what was the first journey after you know discovering the beauty and the energy of the people that live there now um what was like the first step for you to be like okay let me learn a bit more about the history of this place I think it was you know the myth of Egypt versus like the modern people don't care about the monuments you know to them it's just a place where tourists go you know to see Egypt right and I got that I understand that so I was curious to see if any of the monuments and things had any real feelings to them or was it all made up um, so I ventured into the Great Pyramids first by myself I actually had time alone inside um, and there's a wall <laughs> inside the Great Pyramids that is so there's a sarcophagus you walk into the room okay first you go up a really long staircase which you almost faint when you get to the top because it's very high and there's no air inside and all of the walls are made out of heavy stone you know there's no light and no air um they pump some air in so tourists don't die um but at the top then you go through a little opening you have to crunch down and go into and then you in this big huge room of stone and this and then there's the sarcophagus behind the sarcophagus which they don't like tourists to go back there um there's a wall and this wall is connected all the way down the shaft of the pyramid um and i believe it to be kind of a wall for healing for like whenever i would arrive i would feel very sick adjusting to the frequency of egypt mm. from america and you can it's a real thing any anyone who comes it takes them a week to get used to being at a higher frequency it's really higher here um anyway i would go and sit against this wall pay the guard a couple you know like 20 bucks to leave me alone for five minutes and then just enjoy the energy in the wall and then i would literally leave after that and be completely well like as if i wasn't sick at all so you know i didn't make that up i did it over and over again and it worked every time <laughs> so it must be true amazing they don't like you standing against the wall that particular wall they always try to stop you you have to pay for it there's so weird that they know they know what it is so so what's the history about this wall exactly it's just the middle of the pyramids that's all and right. um it's that zero point of the earth the pyramids were built in correlation with the star system and it's actually the the middle of the or the center of the galaxy i guess in comparison to the earth so oh it's yeah zero, it's zero point yeah. so that's that's a big thing like the, you know there's there's a lot of talk about the pyramids being very specific in its location yeah um i don't know how many pyramids there are exactly but so they are in line with what exactly could you could you explain a little bit more about that why it has been created that way and what a yeah. mm. it's um it's aligned with orion's belt and so there's actually a lot of pyramids that are no longer existing but still the ones that are you can see that they're aligned with orion's belt and all of the i don't know all the names of the stars but yeah. you can look it up and see each one it's connected to and it goes all the way to heliopolis which is um about an hour out of cairo so there's always these points aligned to the star system and they go all the way to upper Egypt. Um, so they create 
kind of like a grid, basically a grid of energy. And I believed, you know, this is just a opinion, but I believed when they were functioning, they were sending energy and signals to each other, which then created an effect, maybe like a, like a power system, you know, um, they found that there was water underneath the pyramids and they were generating something underneath, which reflects the top of the pyramid. So there's two pyramids together like this, one down and one up. Mm-hmm. So all of these, you know, shapes and the positionings can't be by chance because you could build anywhere, right? Why is it that, yeah. that they're matching the star system? Um, there must have been some reason for that. And the, and the original pyramids had gold tops. So they had, they were conducting something with the metal. The gold yeah. tops are missing now. Yeah. How many pyramids are remaining right now? Um, that's a really good question. It depends on how you want to look at it. Some of them, you can only walk onto them, but there's hundreds of them. Right. Uh, but a lot of them are in ruins. Yeah. But the oldest one is Saqqara. It's a, it's the step pyramid. It's known to be about 8,000 years old. Um, they've done some renovation on it, but it's in perfect condition. It's amazing. And then the pyramid of Giza is actually much newer than that one but there's also other ones in Saqqara that are now absolutely you know they don't exist anymore um which are supposed to be like 10,000 years old so, right and what was yeah. the pur- what was the purpose of them building these pyramids why, why did why were they built I think it was to generate power just to uh, generate power yeah maybe I mean if you ask me personally I think that they were able to go into the galaxy I think they were able to explore all kinds of things. I think it was used as a portal. If you go inside the Great Pyramids and turn off the lights and turn off all the energy and close the door and just sit there, you're in space. Right. You're not on Earth anymore. And um, I was able to do that for 30 minutes. And at first it freaked the heck out of me. Like I was really scared because it's really like you're floating in space. And then you see everything, like it's kind of a channel. You Whatever you want to see at that point, this is why they have the pyramid as the Illuminati. It's called the all-seeing eye. Why? Mm. Because they used it as a portal. Because you can see everything. <laughs> Literally. Mm. Because there's nothing in the way. The thing is, is we've created all of these lines and matrix and distractions and frequencies that are man-made that we no longer can just use the highway that exists, which is used to be very clear and open. That's why it's harder now to use telepathy, to use the abilities that we have. Mm. Wow. I believe the pyramids were used as a place to contemplate, to go inside and, you know, maybe like a telephone booth. I don't know, like an ancient telephone booth. It makes so much sense, really. You know, just cut out from all the distractions and all the... um, electro smog of frequencies all over the place and I I think yeah it's it's one of the reasons many of us kind of just lose our our journey because there's just a traffic of frequencies everywhere and unfortunately things like television media is causing a lot of bad frequencies going in somewhere Um, like that it's yeah, in but... our phones, you know, as they're showing that our phones are really transmitting a lot of 
um, distraction basically for our frequency. Um, they created all of this so that we couldn't use our powers, so that we were reliant on our phones, our our devices, because we actually do need them now. It's uh, you know, if you use a crutch long enough, you can't take the crutch away; you'll fall mm. over. Um, so the only way I don't like to get into these conversations. No. No, 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 this is fine. This There's is fine. There's no way to change it, you know, unless we live in the countryside without any um, frequent towers. But I, I do believe we can still work within the existing um, situation. I, I do think that there is a workaround. So mm -hmm. so if you're living in a city, for instance, it could be quite hard to work around um, all these frequencies. What would you say would be good? Well, it depends on what you want to do. If you're trying to do telepathy and stuff like that, you can definitely still do it. Mm -hmm. You just need to gather um, enough of the frequency that you... I, I saw something really great today. Um, somebody talking about when you're in love, you're in a frequency with someone. That's what makes you feel like you're in love, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've logged into a frequency that they're in, then now you're enjoying the same frequency together. And so you have a feeling of love, you know? And um not to divert from what you're saying but no it but when you fall in love or when you feel the sense that you are connected to someone that's a form of love that doesn't mean that you're going to marry them but you have a sense of love with them because you're sharing a frequency and you can certainly do that in the city you can certainly do that anywhere um but it does take focus and concentration um i highly recommend if you want to do that with someone that you're not looking at your you know, texting people and doing stuff like that while you're trying to do it, it's not going to work. Mm. You know, you have to be in a place where you're really concentrating. So, yeah. It's yeah. so easy to, to, I guess, get in that type of frequency with someone else. You know, you can, uh, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's, it's what you're building with that person. It's, it's their energy as well, you know, just working together to put yourself in a state just through thinking um i guess a lot of people could do it um i wish i could <laughs> it just seems just seems difficult to be honest um, but you do do it already right of course it's just a matter of identifying when you're doing it and then expanding let me take it a step further so okay. say that you can get yourself into that frequency okay Mm. but now say you're in the frequency you not only control your thoughts but you can make someone else have the same frequency as you even animals you connecting to people right when you want to connect to someone mm -hmm. you know how to connect to them even if they're not connectable even if they don't know that you want that you can still it like happens a lot in silly ways like um if you're driving in a car and somebody's in front of you in the car and you're thinking of them or looking at them and then all of a sudden they turn around and look at you, right? Mm. You connected to them. You connected to a frequency that they clocked into. That's just a really lame example, but No, no, there's, that there's kind many. Of feeling, you know, where you generated that connection. They they didn't they weren't thinking of you. You were behind them in a car. So you made that connection happen. Mm. That's the beginning of what we're talking about. And the more you do it, the more um, you can reach out to souls who are nowhere near you and connect to them. And then all of a sudden they're calling you on the phone. Yeah. That's the kind of magic we're talking about. And it's not making someone 
do something against their will, but it's inviting a frequency that makes them think of connecting to you. And then it's of course up to them what they want to do after that, but initiation. Yeah. Very interesting. I like that. <laughs> so, um, so taking it back to the pyramids, I wanted to know with, you know, the architecture and everything and where it was all aligned. I mean, it, it, that, that in itself is really incredible. It, but there's a lot of question as to um, whether there was some sort of technology which assisted to build these pyramids. What's what's your thoughts on that? Um, I really believe that they knew how to shift matter back then, that they understood that matter was shiftable. Mm -hmm. uh, matter is not, um, it's just rock. It's not a big deal. You know, they can't, I don't believe that they could create human beings, but they knew how to shift matter. They knew how to mold things that in our world we think, oh, we have to use a sharp instrument to make that happen. But that's not necessarily true. They had some instruments that they created. They showed them in hieroglyphics of these like wands, magic wands, where they conducted energy and they did stuff with them. Mm -hmm. So they had tools, but in our society, we can't imagine being able to move matter because we don't use our minds to do that because we believe it's a certain way. We're in a conversation that they weren't in. They were in a different conversation. Mm, right. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, think about it. Like if you're, if you're uh, a gymnast, you know, like I can't imagine doing backflips like that. Like it's not in my conversation, but for them, it's normal. They're doing it all the time. They understand how that works. So they were in a conversation that if we want to make something, we do this and this and that, and we can mold it. And some people believe they were melting the stones and making them perfectly aligned with each other so that they yeah. stuck. Because when you are inside the pyramids, you see that there is perfection. There's no, no machine could cut that. It's, it's still going to be not sticking perfect. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did read that somewhere as well. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in in in, <laughs> I guess in what is perceived as a normal concept doesn't seem possible, you know. Yeah. In um, Saqqara, um, the Saqqara temple, the one I just mentioned, that was eight thousand years old. They have giant tuning forks that are made out of, I think, limestone um, and granite mixed. And so what they would do apparently is they would stand in between the tuning forks and they would diagnose someone and then cure them according to what frequency was out of alignment. Right. Um, and it was a really like normal place. Like it was like a hospital. That's where you go. Yeah. Right. yeah. Could you imagine that now you go into a hospital? Well, maybe not in Egypt, but I don't know. They probably wouldn't do that now in Egypt, but, uh, um do you think is that i'm sorry that's a that's a question is is there that sort of practice still yeah that's a good question well that's what i mean about the modern e egypt still has some ancient egypt in it yeah. so a lot of times still people believe that if you're sick it's because either someone's talking bad about you or you did something bad it's not always that your body has failed mm -hmm. you understand like usually it's related to the mind or the soul 
And a lot of people pray to get better or they'll go out for a walk or they'll um, say sorry or, you know, like something like that in order to cure themselves. So you see how they're using energy still in the same way. Um, they're recognizing the frequency to be out of joint. Um, there's a lot of superstition about um, evil eye, you know, making problems for you. Um, that's still a thing that's carried through that the evil eye and the eye of Horus was, is an ancient Egyptian concept. And it was believed at the time. Oh my God, I could go forever on this subject, but <laughs> that, um, you would go to the temples to get healed. They would give you maybe an herbal drink or some kind of medication, but they would, you would always leave with an incantation to protect you from evil spirits. Evil spirits were real thing. Um, and they believe that they make you sick. And I think we could maybe spend a little bit more time in our culture thinking about that because it does make you sick. If you come into contact with someone who um, wishes you bad thoughts, mm. you can get sick from them. You know, that's why you pray in order to cleanse all of that away from you. So we have ways that we can do it, um, but we're not doing them. So we just, you know, we, we feel sick or we feel depressed and there's nothing, there's no reason for it, mm. you know, like maybe nothing happened, but you're so sad for one, like why they, in Egypt, they say it's because maybe someone talking bad about you or, you know, something like that. I think, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, there's a few things that popped in my head actually, but I think depending where you are in terms of your state of mind at that moment, if, if your energy is low, then you're more prone to sickness, like someone else's bad energy can can uh, assist with you feeling unwell. Um, but if your frequency is in the right place, it almost deflects it away. Like, no, it's not going to do anything because I'm in the right place. Another yeah, thing if I'll... you look at it like levels, your mm. frequency is... I don't know if you look at it like this, but frequencies live in their own worlds. So if you're dropping into a frequency that has um, demons and ghosts and negative emotion, yeah, you're not going to feel good. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You can for sure go there if you want, but um, yeah, you're not going to feel good. It's not a good energy. And more prone to someone else's bad energy. So if your energy oh, is yeah. already low and someone else is you know, sending their bad thoughts, that is what is going to make you more prone to sickness. But if, you know, if your frequency is high because of constant prayer, high vibrational foods and, I don't know, other good people around you and stuff, someone else sending their bad thoughts is not really going to affect you. It's it's kind of weak in comparison. It will not affect you at all, actually. No. no. Yeah, you're yeah, very good point. Yeah, I was going to say as well that some people see it as though, um, how do I word this? You know, to talking in in the realm of frequency, that there, like, everything is frequency. So it's not a case of, okay, you have cancer. It's like, no, you have really low frequency. It's like everything vibrates at a certain um, frequency. So it's like, um, in, in order to heal, it's the right type of frequency to be in, uh, in order to, in order to heal. If does that, does that make sense? Have I 
yeah like if you i love thinking about it like water if you have a glass of dirty water um then the water is dirty you know uh i don't know the dirt not isn't necessarily bad but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? like the water reacts to the frequency that it's in so if you want pure clean water in your body then you have to keep the frequency cleaning it all the time in order for it to be clean mm-hmm. uh, but this issue is really it's an interesting issue i i wrote a whole book about it um you have to do lots of things to create it's not about creating good or bad frequency that's such an elementary way of looking it's so complicated right it's yeah. really really complicated um, conversation and um everything you can create a canvas of energy for yourself okay and each one is something you know like you believe in chakras right yes so we each have these energy zones um the colors that we have them labeled as actually came from ancient Egypt, um, from the temples. So this is a very old concept. Um, and Asia was having the same concept at the same time. So different chakras have different energies and different colors. We can get stones and food to match those frequencies. So say you have something wrong with your chest, you're not going to eat certain things. If you have a chest problem, you're going to do things that are going to clear out your chest, right? This mm-hmm. is frequent work. So you're going to stay away from some things and you're going to stick to certain colors, certain stones, certain vibrations, all of those things to heal yourself. And then there's no such thing as disease, you know, because your your body is always renewing itself. It's You don't catch colds, you know, C- catching mm-hmm. a cold is something that happens when your immune system is down um yeah it's you can catch anything when your immune system is down you can get a disease you can die you can you know but as long as you're keeping your vibration up those things that don't exist because your body is amazing it's made to live here on earth mm-hmm. not space it was designed for this place right right so it works perfectly like that um but if you're continually ignoring the signs continually um disregarding the messages that your body is giving you then you can't serve your body and then you will get a disease and die you know that's um eventually you will die anyways from old age because that's the way it is apparently um i also think that that's a man-made concept by the way i think Mm. um i think that dying is more about you learned your lessons here and now it's time to go i don't believe it has anything to do with the vessel that we're Mm. in um, there's so many thoughts on that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah just turn off this alarm yeah there's so many thoughts on that i mean you've i mean there's there's stories in the bible talking of people living over 300 years and maybe even 900 years and stuff yeah and, 900 years and you just there's no reason for it to stop working we, we okay this is what I want to talk about today, though, really quick. Yeah. The food frequency is really important. So when you are wanting to increase your frequency a certain way or change your frequency, you must eat energy food. You must eat food that has that frequency. How do you get that? Even meat has a frequency to it, okay? It's meat. It's um, a carrot has a different kind of frequency than a beet. Uh, celery has a different frequency. Uh, all of these food groups have different things to offer. 
when we use them correctly in a dish, we feel amazing after, right? We feel like we can do anything, okay? Because our body, for one thing, loves this frequency, you know, for whatever. And it's so personal to you, which is why diets don't work. You can't take someone else's food group and use it. You have to use your food group and maybe it changes from day to day. Maybe some days you need something else, right? That's why diets don't work. Mm -hmm. um, you have to use things that your body likes to eat and enjoys the frequency of. Um, those food groups align with colors and they align with um, activities even. Like everything has to work together to maintain the frequency. You know what I mean? You can't just juice things because I, I personally, if I juice vegetables, I am sick afterwards. I cannot juice things together, which is why processed food doesn't work. Processed food, maybe if you take the ingredients out and separate them all, then maybe they're not that bad. But when you combine them all together in one group, your body doesn't know what to do with them. It's all different frequencies coming from different places. You know, it's just like, ugh, never mind. <laughs> you know, I can't do anything with this. It doesn't mm. work. So when you target your frequency and you target your food to match your frequency, then you're creating a very clear and easy message. You know what I mean? Like a communication highway. Mm. And then to combine it even with sounds, you know, um, yeah. there's so much studying that needs to be done. Even frequency sounds like, do we really know what these frequencies do to our bodies? Do we, have we really studied it? Cause they're around all the time we're hearing them subconsciously they're affecting everything we do i actually so. had a conversation recently um another podcast in fact with uh, someone who mentioned about uh, the frequency of music had been changed to i can't remember something like 440 hertz yeah he said that because of that it creates sadness it's a, a frequency of sadness he actually created headphones to bring it uh, down to 432, um, which brings happiness or something. But he said people can notice the difference when they're listening to music. Um, it's all about the sound frequency needs to it needs to be right. Uh, I was yeah, like, you know. where it hits you in your body, you can feel where it hits you. Mm. Um, it's not that it's bad. It's not that the frequency 440 is bad. It's that it's used for everything. So it creates a numbing sensation right. and because you're not feeling anything. You know, th that's kind of why rap music was so popular. It hits you down in the, you know, I want to either kill someone or have wild <laughs> sex, you know, like it's really hitting you in your root chakra, you know, um, because of the bass and the frequency, they're using it on purpose to give you that feeling. It's used, everyone knows that it's used for that. Um, and it's great, you know, it's it's perfect for that feeling, for those um, expressions, not all rap music, but you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah, heavy yeah. beat based frequency. Um, and then other types, types of music maybe hit you in your chest or your mind or your, um, even if you don't like choir music, actually it does reside in the, the upper chakras. Right, right. Uh, well, above the crown is the Christ consciousness um, chakra. It goes on forever, apparently. 
Um, but anyway, so yeah, the different, depending on the instruments, depending on who's playing, depending on the notes, depending on how it was recorded. <laughs> that's yeah. A big, yeah. Wow. So much to learn. So much to learn. Um, do you know any particular books that can teach people about different sounds? frequencies at all or is it just something you have to learn ongoing is there uh, a... well, I I brought my book to show off because actually oh, awesome. awesome yeah it took me a year to write I the best thing about my book is that I did a lot of work on um combining all of the sounds and the stones together so that it's easy for you um sounds of the stones or sounds with the stones um, the sounds, the frequency, uh -huh. with the stones, with the food, even using what? Reiki. I combine them all together. Yeah. All right. Wow. Thank you for asking. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I, and then I also combined them with the temples in Egypt. So to, just to show you how each temple, if you if you visit Egypt, when you visit Egypt. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you will see that all the temples are in certain places. And so I had this crazy idea because a long time ago, this French architect spent years in um, the temple of Luxor and he decided that it was the shape of a man at the end. He realized that it was designed in the shape of a man. Um, see if I can show you a picture. Mm. It's really fascinating. Um, and then he, he decided that what they were making was a frequency chart and so i took it just a little further than his original idea um to say that each of the temples were built in different parts of the land because of the frequency of the land so like the great pyramids is a particular chakra um right, we right. often align it with our pituitary gland the penile gland um that kind of you know all seeing eye that part of the chakra up here um different temples of different anyway but this this architect he created this i don't know if you've ever seen it i have not no so he he's he really worked on it for 10 years this guy <laughs> but wow. he was convinced that it's the shape of the human body yeah 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 and so say as you walk through the temple you're going through the different chakras of the body um right. so basically all i did was take that concept and stretch it out to all of the temples from upper egypt to lower egypt mm. and i tried to align each temple to the chakra that i thought it belonged to and most of it has already been proven by people who've been there they agree that certain temples make them feel something in their bodies so um yeah everyone together kind of created this concept and then i thought well if the temples are in this location, what food was available for them? Mm. What were they eating, right? Because each part of the land had different things, has different climates. Um, and what stones were available in that area? So I started to just kind of piece together as much as I could um, and and decide that, you know, is it not that they only lived in that frequency, of course, because stones were taken from different places to create things, but the land itself is expressing the energy. They were just using whatever was there and creating on top of it. Right, right, right. Sounds fascinating. Um, so 
I think is really interesting. You mentioned about foods as well. Like, would you say that certain colors of foods is associated with the frequency? Just the colors of foods. So if I was sure. to get like a, a red bell pepper, then that will be like um, in alignment with my uh, root chakra or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think red bell pepper is in root chakra, but um, yeah, you wouldn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Like if you're cooking, like you were making a, a frequency painting, right? You would put together vegetables that love to be together that are the same frequency so that you're creating, you know, like say you wanted a power salad. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't put you wouldn't necessarily put mushrooms in with your salad unless you wanted a grounding feeling because mushrooms are grounding their root chakra. Like you're creating a, almost a magic spell for your body to, to perform a certain way, according to what you eat. Well, you know, this, if you, you lift weights, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that if you're taking certain things, you're gonna, your body will react a certain way. Um, imagine if you took that old way, right? And you're using very specific foods rather to create that. Because right now we're using protein drinks and all this stuff that has a lot of stuff in it. Um, I feel like the body is fighting through the ingredients and the frequencies to pick out that one thing that's going to give it what it needs. Yeah. Uh, so it's about refining, basically. Um, and the best way to do it is to buy fruits and vegetables and practice. You know, you can you can take... Um, I'm trying to think of some dishes that I used to make, like celery and chard together. You know, certain vegetables love to be together and they, you can feel it when you're making it. Like they have a conversation. <laughs> I know I'm going to sound crazy. No, no, but no, no. They no. have a conversation with each other. You can yeah. feel it. If you get in touch with it. You'll know that, okay, if I put potatoes with this meal, I'm going to be grounded from the leafy vegetables. You know, the, like some people think about it like this, this is Ayurveda. Um, yeah. way of thinking but it's the same concept as what frequencies to put together so that you have a solid highway of frequency do you have some sort of recipes in your book or do you just talk about just the concept of mixing certain frequencies I do I don't have recipes yet but right. I do go into depth um I talk about how all of the herbs connect to the different chakras mm -hmm. um, and then you know so like if you want to use certain things together this is what you're going to get you know Amazing. um yeah and, and and really this is just the beginning of this conversation with this book like yeah. i would love to make for recipes for people i think that's was going to be my next step anyways um yeah. but i forgot about it actually but it is fascinating and i the the main thing though is to really explore yourself um because not only should you have a recipe, but then you should also clock into how your body feels about that food, because maybe a recipe has something in it that your body doesn't need, you know, it's not going to, even if it's in the right frequency, your body doesn't like that right now. Mm -hmm. So it's all about being in touch with who we are and making really good decisions. You know, we're all in this broad picture and dealing with all these huge things in the world, but we're not concentrating on the details of our life you know like even even food that you that you buy you know say you go and buy food when you're buying the food you're picking out what you know you're picking it out according to how ripe it is or not 
okay, that's something. Mm -hmm. But also other indicators of the food being damaged or having a long trip or, you know, anything that's disrupting its frequency. So that's why farm fresh foods are great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so what would you say to those who are not in a position to get lots of farm fresh, you know, organic produce? And, you know, we have a lot of glyphosate, you know, um, you know, pesticide and stuff, which is on fruits and veg. And sometimes it's uh, it's a it's a financial situation uh, for many people. So is there a way to. I don't know, raise the frequency on it, like through prayer or any kind of ritual practice or crystals or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Um, for one thing, you know, pesticides can be washed off. You can wash them. You can use, you know, water and soap and wash off the pesticides. And then, um, so you're cleansing your food by paying attention to your food. Food has water and substance in it. So you're, you know, you're like they say, make it with love. Well, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. They're saying with frequency, right? So when you're making your food, give it love because it's going to go back into your body and you're going to digest it and it's going to become you. So enjoy making it, spend time loving it like you would anything, right? Mm -hmm. Wash it. If you can't afford anything, you know, special like organic food and all that stuff. Um, I actually, it's really hard to get in Egypt. I I can, (laughs) it's, I have to just buy simple foods, you know? So the nice thing about Egypt is when something is in season, that's what you eat. When it's not in season, it's not available. You can't get it. Right. Okay. So you're only eating stuff that's growing currently. Um, so staying up with things that are actually local um, and current is going to give you the most benefit for your money. Um, washing food and the freshest water that you have helps. And sticking to just really simple foods. Like if you're going to have a meal, have rice and have a vegetable. And if you have a meat, then have a meat, but don't combine everything together with processed cheese and sauces and all this stuff that then confuses your body of what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's made really simple. And actually, um, if you don't have a lot of money, it's a healthier way to, you know, a lot of the people in Egypt here where I live don't have a lot of money and they eat really simple foods and they're very healthy and strong, Mm. you know? Um, I always encourage people to get 10 minutes of sun. If you have any sun in the morning to, you know, close your eyes, take in the sun. It's not bad for your skin. If you're just getting 10 minutes a day, it's actually good for you. Um, It cleans your blood. It cleans your skin. It gives you vitamin D. All of these things will help. I've Um, heard it's also helpful to put your food out in the sun as well, because the frequency of the sun in the food is supposed to be good. Um, sure grows in the sun if you're eating vegetables and meat it's all Mm. in the sun (laughs) so yeah definitely um just eating whole you know anything that's whole and not processed is the best way to go yeah yeah taking it uh back a little bit um about egypt i know that they've used lots of um jewelry jewelry is a pretty big thing there isn't it or at least was i don't don't know if it is still now but um was it just like royalty who would use jewelry or was it everyone well was it a symbol of something why why was jewelry or 
possibly is such a big thing there? Well, jewelry was used by not just people with money, but were used by practitioners. So a lot of the pharaohs were buried with gold. Their wives were buried with gold. Um, it was definitely still a status symbol. Um, they really believed that whatever you were buried with in this lifetime, you would then use again in your next lifetime, or you would use it to barter along the way. So you would go through a journey into the afterlife and you would say, well, I have gold. <laughs> so give me a nice ride, you know? Mm. Um, so it was used a lot for that. Um, also, I will show you the bracelet that I have that this is um, 24 karat gold bracelet. And this is from Tutankhamun. So he wore this when he died. I don't know if he wore it when he was alive because I wasn't there, but um, it's made with lapis and it has garnet. And so all of these stones are very um, normal to see in pharaonic jewelry because of what they are. I mean, I imagine that the lapis was used for intuition because that's kind of symbolizes the pineal gland. Um, the garnet is a rooted, it's more of a root stone and then we have the white stone, which is like a moonstone. I think it's alabaster, maybe. Actually, it's not. It looks like mother of pearl. I don't know if you can see it. So each of the uh, stones, yeah. if just right, you know, this was the royal symbol, this these colors. Um, but I believe that the practitioners used a lot of basalts and other things to ground their patients when they were working on them to generate the granite generates a lot granite's an amazing stone that hardly anyone talks about when you lay in granite you are like in a cocoon of protection and you feel fizzy you know it's solid but it has it has something in it that makes you feel alive it's very vibrational and they used a lot of granite they used granite beds for people to lie on um so it wasn't always about gold you know, it was also felt that other stones were just as precious. You know, they weren't just focused on gold. Um, gold was beautiful, of course, and more rare, perhaps, back then. But, um, yeah, all of the stones had a property to them that they enjoyed. Amazing. So how do stones have their property? Do you know? Like, so many different stones. Like, how how is this? Why is this? It's just fascinating to me. I guess it's the way the earth was made, right? Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that it's any more serious than that. Like maybe, yeah. but I love this question because I think that if the earth was made like that and there's different places and temples built upon the stone generating the frequency, then it must be for us to use right and mm. each one has something different to offer you know the weirdest story and I'll share this with you I hope it's not too weird no. but when I was a kid one of the main things that made me realize that I belong here in Egypt was I had a box of rocks when I was a kid and I was very very attached to this box of rocks I remember even to this day every rock that I had in this box and they were all different Okay, all different frequencies and granite and um, amber. I had all, you know, a whole bunch of box rocks. 
some of them not interesting at all, but I loved these rocks, you know, like just stuff that if somebody saw them, they think there's, you know, there's no value to them, you know what I mean? But to me, they were everything. Then I get to Egypt and I realize my box of rocks is all Egyptian rocks. Mm. All the stuff that you find in Egypt walking around, it's that was my box of rocks as a little girl. That's so I think that rocks have more value than we're putting them into. And, and it's interesting how modern technology is all built with this sand, concrete things mixed together and nothing solid rock and stone of one kind. Again, we go back to the food groups. The temples were made with certain stones, not, on, not because they were just available. No, some stones were dragged to those locations to make the things out of that stone. But nowadays, why is everything processed? Even our buildings are processed with a whole bunch of different elements, different stones, different, you know, this and that. Um, for me, it feels like it's just confusing for, for all the energies to be smeared together like that. It's not effective. It makes chaos. It makes people feel um, lost. They're not connected to anything because there's nothing to connect to. It's too much of everything all at once. That's interesting. So, that's that's really fascinating. Like, you know, the you don't think about the bricks and stuff which is used to build a house and you know the the yeah, the the frequency given from these type of rocks. You don't you don't really think about that. You just think, oh, it's a nice building, you know. I guess you'd think plywood. as long as it's I hate plywood. <laughs> plywood <laughs> because right. plywood is cheap, but it's not just cheap it's glued together parts right isn't it like it's shredded all yeah. whatever and then stuck together um it's okay but it just doesn't do anything you know what i mean it doesn't give you anything that's the thing it's dead it doesn't have any energy in it it's fine if you want to use it for a table but right. but if you need to use it for something else i wouldn't recommend yeah uh, but but the stones are really important the bricks and um yeah i think it has a lot to do with how we feel in our bodies and our minds what we're exposing ourselves to that make us who we are i really think it's important to think about every single detail not to obsess over it or to cause any kind of anxiety for people but to definitely just be present to okay i have this in my like maybe you look around your room and you think this table is really drags every time I look at it I feel sad when I look at that table get rid of the table why is it still there you know get rid of it mm. get rid of the things that aren't contributing um especially if you feel ill that's the time to really cleanse your life start being very particular about what you put in your mouth be very particular about what you're exposed to start creating a world for you to exist in that will help your body recover right mm -hmm. fascinating love it love it um what could you tell me about the hieroglyphics because like every time i see images and stuff i'm like this looks fascinating um how do people even know what it all means what does it mean uh what was the purpose of it um, is it something that you've looked into yourself? Yeah, I'm not an expert on hieroglyphics. Um, I 
had the rare chance of talking to people who actually speak hieroglyphics and sing. So it is a language. And the only thing I can say, like, it's really interesting to, to study hieroglyphics because it makes you think in a new way, like any language, but they're showing you pictures in order to describe not just a word, but a concept. So it's a very conceptual language. It's, it's making a full picture, a full journey for you with the pictures that they're making. Um, and so you go very deep into the concept of each phrase, each phrase and each um, word is, it's not, you know, like in the English language, we have words to describe something, but they're not using words. They're using a scenario to mm. describe something. So you get a, a broader picture of each thing. Mm. Yeah. Where would you say is a good way to um, to learn hieroglyphics to you know decipher these images? Because not everybody could understand it. So you need a really good expert. I mean, you can definitely start online to see what each image you know what they've linked the words to and stuff like that. But the really good teachers are going to teach you the way I just described. They'll teach you to look at it as a bigger picture than just alphabet and it doesn't really work like that because they don't not every image means something the way we relate to it in English you have to get into the mindset of ancient Egypt like they like 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 what I was showing you the stones and the food and the temples and the rocks and and the water and everything is part of one thing they don't pick one thing out you know what I mean okay, okay. they're using all of it together so you have to start thinking like the ancient Egyptians in the sense that that's how they looked at things you know love isn't love love is a huge conversation of many many things you know yeah. so um it's yeah it's just not so i guess in the english language it's kind of i don't know how to describe it, it mm. it's not as depth it's not in depth of uh, of a picture you know like it's more of a picture a journey language so yeah mm. you have to go online and you have to find somebody who teaches it like that otherwise you will never learn what it really means because even even in egypt today the egyptologists that go around and say oh this means this and that means that well technically yes it does mean that but when you put them all together it doesn't mean that anymore <laughs> it means something very different right yeah. okay mm. okay okay all about piecing all of the pieces together. Ancient Egypt is all about putting everything together and then drawing a conclusion from all of the pieces, not from just one piece. Mm. You have to all of it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. Like like the rituals performed, the healing rituals. It was never come and get your medication and then go home and have a nice day. That would <laughs> never happen. Okay. Yeah. You come you come for a ritual to remove or to strengthen your body or whatever is needed. You go in and you see someone who is a professional at seeing all of you, okay? Your soul and your body and your mind. They see everything, okay? And then they say, oh, I see a dark spot or I see you have some digestion problems, okay? And then you're in a conversation about that. The person who has the illness and the practitioner, they're speaking about it together. And then, and then the the qualified person who that's what they do all day, 
is see people, then they say, oh, this ointment is going to work great for you. But they're prescribing an ointment or a medication based on the whole person, mm -hmm. not just the problem. Because the problem is only a problem based on what, how it happened. You yeah. know, how did it get there? So now they're creating a solution based on how and why, not just on what. You have to have a how and a why. Mm -hmm. And then that person who has it has to say, oh yeah, you're right. I had a fight and I did this and then I fell down and then I got up and then I ate this and they're like, ah, oh, now I know. So now here is an incantation for your soul problem. Here is some medication for the actual bug that's in your stomach. And then here's something else. And now you go away with this whole plan of how to heal yourself because it's not just one thing. It's a whole thing, right? It's interesting how we've become very separated in the body as a whole, um, you know, when going to hospitals for treatments and stuff. Um, just dealing with the symptoms as, as opposed to a holistic approach. But it does make me... It really makes me question, obviously, with the no technology in how they were able to heal people better. <laughs> and we have all this technology and we make matters worse. Um, so. Because we're not treating anyone with our technology. No. The technology is just exp not in every case. In some cases, we have some amazing doctors, but you. But they're treating the whole, they're treating all of you. They're spending time with you. They're talking to you. They're finding out how you got to be this way. That's why it helps, you know, when they diagnose you. But if you're just going in for a quick second, getting a prescription, oh, you have this problem. Well, here you go. Do you, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of times when the doctors will prescribe something that technically and scientifically would make sense for what you have. But if they spend an extra five minutes to find out who you are, then they would never give you that prescription ever because mm. it would kill you. And I recently had an experience like that. A man here was very ill. He died anyways, actually, um, because he was going to die. It was his time to die. Um, yeah. That's, you know, there is such a thing as it's just your time to go. Mm. But um, the doctor was going to prescribe him an antibiotic, which it technically seemed right. He needed an antibiotic for, but in the end it killed him because it was too strong for his body at the time. And if he had spent a couple more minutes just seeing who he was at the time, it would have changed, every, you know, he would have gotten a, maybe another week anyways, but mm -hmm. I'm not blaming the doctor, but you know, it's that kind of scenario. Like technically it, it was the right answer. But when I looked at the man and saw him, I said, no, this is going to kill him because he can't handle it. Not based on his body, based on his soul. Wow. wow. Nothing to do with body at all. Do you, do you feel as though there was some kind of lesson learned there by the doctor or maybe the health system? Because if it wasn't his time to die, even if he had a week extra, would have been like nice. why he did. So it's like, what's the message out of that? And has it been learned to move on? You know. The message, the message for me, uh, oh my God, we could do a whole podcast about this subject. Um, but the message is that we give our power and our strength and everything to people who don't know anything about us. Okay, right. we have 
where what's happened in our lifespan is that they've turned human beings into numbers and facts and spreadsheets. And so if this is the way it is, and then this is the way you respond and it's like a robot, but we're not robots. We're, we're living creatures. Our cells are alive. They create each thing is a different thing. We are alive. We're not robots. So if we give our power and strength to a doctor and say, I have this sickness, unless you are really present as to where you got the sickness from, what you're doing in your life to cause the sickness, unless you're present enough in yourself, you cannot go and ask somebody for help. In fact, when you go to the doctor, you should be telling him what you need. I need this because I did this and I feel sad about this or I feel this and this and that. And now I'm, can you please make me a beetroot drink with the, you know, some antibiotics because I need that specifically for this. Don't let them tell you. Why would they tell you? They don't know you. Mm. They don't know anything about you. And we're giving them all this power to see yeah. us for five minutes. And then we go away with their concoction and we ingest it and everything's supposed to be great. I know, in our bodies, like, yeah. it's crazy, right? It's crazy. It only, the medication only works, prescriptions only work if you know what you need. And if you don't know what you need, then find out first what you need and then go see the doctor to get your prescription. Mm. That's the best way to go. And then when you get your prescription, ask your body, is this really going to work? Should I waste this experience with this drug or is it really going to help me? And get a yes or a no. We're masters of our own bodies. We really are. We really are demigods. We really have all the power to decide. And we are very good at it. They just, we've just been taught that we're not. And we believed them. Mm -hmm. All for me. I don't believe in any of it. I don't live by it. I live a very natural life. I've never been vaccinated in my entire life for anything. Um, my parents didn't believe in it. So all I can say is that I don't even have the conversation of going to a doctor and having him tell me what I need. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Really? I need that? I mean, unless I'm in a coma. I'm going to tell you what I need, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going to do that. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I would love to inspire people to be, I'm not saying that everyone is in that place because I was given that gift as a kid. You know, my dad told me that's the conversation I'm in. You know what I mean? So if you're not coming from that place, you can train yourself, you know, slowly and get to a place where you feel comfortable diagnosing yourself, giving yourself, um, the confidence to to really take care of yourself mm -hmm. that's good yeah a lot of people need to be more in tune with themselves yeah I don't, I don't i think many people aren't many people yeah go to doctors for thinking they need antidepressants and stuff that's such a especially in the u.s i know so many people in the u.s they're like yeah i'm on a low dose antidepressant I'm like it for me it's like what why why do you need it i'm thinking yeah. that's the last straw seriously but to them it's like oh it's only a low dose it's fine it helps me uh be calm like this is a big deal to me like i would never put that in my body but when it starts to become so so normal i think that's that's the issue really um and not really and it's just, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with the little dose of antidepressants. It goes all the way till the end. You know, like if you're okay with doing that, then you're okay with them saying, 
you need heart surgery without even knowing that you need it. You know what I mean? The, how many surgeries happen to people and they don't need the surgery? <laughs> you know, it's um. anyway, I, I don't want to put anything down about it. It's It's just where we are as a civilization. I think we're starting to realize that we can't put our trust or power into other people. We have to take it for ourselves and then channel what we need around us to people who are supporting what we need. You know, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. Yeah, sometimes you need to go to the doctor. Maybe you can't diagnose yourself, but go with the consciousness that if he tells you something that you know is just wrong for you, don't take it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's okay to say no. You don't have to do it just because the doctor said so um that kind of attitude that new conversation of being responsible it's really just a responsibility we have to grow up now as a civilization well you know i keep referring to ancient egypt because it's old there she's the mother of the world they call egypt so we're going why, back why is that why is egypt called the mother of the world because Egypt forever has been a melting pot for civilizations throughout all of the centuries. It's never been one civilization. Um, it was heavily influenced because of the Swiss Canal is right there. So lots of Asian influence, lots of, Af I mean, it's in Africa, but it's on the tip of Africa. So it's exposed to all of, you know, Greece everywhere. Um, so for some reason, the way Egypt behaves as a land is like a mother. You come to Egypt and you're taken care of. You are safe. You're protected. Jesus came to Egypt to be protected when he was a baby. Um, lots of things happened in Egypt to give the uh, the feeling of, of like a mother, so, you know, a nurturing place for people. And it's even to this day in modern Egypt, it's very tolerant of different cultures different ways of thinking different belief systems um it's a muslim country but it's also a christian country it really you know celebrates christianity it celebrates christmas all the streets are decked out in lights and you know it, it's very tolerant of lots of ways of thinking the, lots of ways of thinking means that it becomes apparent you know uh, um, a supporting influence for younger countries creating thinkers that are having younger conversations. America is a young country. It has baby conversations. Look on the internet for five minutes. Everyone's in a baby conversation about stuff. Oh, she's transgender. She's this, who cares? It's like a baby conversation compared to real issues and real things, right? Like things that really matter about surviving as a civilization, which Egypt has always notoriously been involved in. And it's been occupied by different countries. It's had a lot of different influences in it. So when you're in Egypt, you're not just in North Africa, you're in a part of the world that has been exposed to everything that we've had on this Amazing. earth. And this is probably one of the reasons why many people feel at home, like as you was talking about, um, people yeah, yeah. feel some sort of connection, like yeah. familiarity. Yeah, um, familiar, exactly, very familiar. I heard it by many people, like, some people have that that stronger intuition where it's like they know that there is a connection there like I've been here before and there's others they're like I don't know there's something yeah you know it's really interesting yeah it depends on where you're you're at in your life I suppose like I was really looking for something I didn't know I was looking for something but I was you know mm. so if you're in a place then 
Um, some people remember past lives and, you know, all different places in Egypt. Uh, I personally think I was, I was a, like someone in a temple. I don't know even if I was a high rank or not, but I know that I know stuff. So mm. I know that I was allowed to be in the temple. I have certain rights even in this day. And I know other people that come here and automatically they just become in a place, you know, like that's a past life for sure. Because now in this life, they're there. That's how you know, because it's according to who you are now, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know why Egypt is so weird like that, but it it automatically reminds you of things that you forgot about. Uh, maybe because the, there's not a lot of technology. I don't know. Mm. That's limited here. Yeah, yeah. So a slight, slight different change. What's your, what's your thoughts on um, astral travel? Have you um, experienced that yourself at all? Astral travel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love this conversation. I don't call it astral travel, though. Oh, oh okay. Um, although I do like the term. It's not, it's not a bad term. Um, it's just... Okay, so two things. I love traveling. Um, what happens to me is I see I see a lot of souls come to me um, when I'm in that state. A lot of people come. Um, not all of them are good or not good, but I don't want them near me. <laughs> Maybe they're fine in their own world, but um, so I don't I don't encourage astral traveling unless you really know how to navigate. Um, I love the idea that you would do it on purpose. That's the only change that I would like to make to that conversation is just if you are in that state of mind, um, you really are kind of floating through another realm, right? It's mm -hmm. still our realm, but you don't have you don't have the constraints of a physical body. You can go anywhere. So you can really go anywhere. If you can focus your mind and go and meet particular people or go to places that you've never been to. I often travel places that I have no idea where I am. I look around and nothing is anything that I've seen before. Um, so it's fun. It can be mm. fun for sure. But I just love the idea of maybe creating more of a focus on it instead of just blindly traveling. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been doing that for? Um, I think I first really noticed it probably 2018 i think right right okay so what five years yeah -ish. um w was that like where you'd focused yourself on doing that or did it just happen and then you decided i want to do it again how did it happen for you um it it happens to me all the time now i can wow. put my in that mode um it's i if people want to do it it's easy to do it right when you're about to fall asleep because you're already in um in a certain brain frequency that yeah. your brain can um travel so that's a good way of doing it but once you've been doing it for a really long time you can sort of do it wherever you are so um yeah i like doing it but i don't do it like that anymore i i really try to focus my mind with someone in particular and then go to them instead of just seeing because I'm in a state in my spirituality where I can't allow just anyone to come near me anymore I don't allow that to happen so 
and it still happens and I suffer from it, I have to really protect myself because when you get at a certain frequency, um, it's not that anyone can get to you at that frequency, but you don't want to be distracted by anyone. It's not about that they can hurt you. It's about being distracted. You don't want to be distracted because it's energy, right? So if you're traveling and you're seeing people that need attention from you, there's a lot of people who need something, you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. they're not for themselves. And if you're a traveler and you're traveling, you can't stop at every point and give something to someone who needs something that didn't ask you your permission to give them. So you have to be really careful with astral traveling because that does happen. Ah, so it's not a case of with the travel, you'd be, I don't know, sent to a particular destination. Okay, this is the spot where you need to visit. It can just be anywhere unless you intentionally focus on that, that exactly. journey. Yeah, somebody right. who's stronger mentally or who's focused can take you to where they are. Right. Right. Yeah. right. And it happens a lot. That's why I just be careful. You know, it's not that it's going to hurt you, but it's, it may cause something, you know. Um, I, I just don't, I, I just want people to be careful. That's all because mm -hmm. there are a lot of creatures in the world and they right. all have to travel, not just human souls, gems, mm -hmm. demons, everything traveling around all the time and the more you travel the more you'll see them mm. uh, but you have to be careful you know like you don't want to attract them and you don't need them you don't want them around it's not beneficial for you so mm, gins that's interesting I've only... gins gins <laughs> are a very interesting term yeah right right um okay okay um oh i was just thinking of something and it just slipped my mind is it about uh, 10? Well, not directly that, but I wouldn't mind knowing about that. Uh, you know, you always hear about good energy, bad energy, and like the evil spirits and stuff like that. And I just think, why are they bad, let's say? Jinns are known to be possibly bad. Is that right? Okay, so no. what's, what's, what's your thoughts on jinns? Jinns are just a different creature. Um, <laughs> they're, a lot of people describe them as these short things. I don't know. I, they've never looked tall to me. So I guess they're short. Um, a lot of people describe them as short spirits that run around in your bedroom or the, the problem is they can cause some chaos for you. If you're, um, if you're somebody who isn't focused in their life, they can cause some chaos for you. They like mm -hmm. doing that. They're not bad energy, but it can be misconstrued as bad. It can make you nervous to have them around. I had them around for a while and I said that's enough I'm I'm done like I don't need you here please leave you know um I like it quiet they're noisy right. <laughs> they're very noisy little creatures yeah and they have an agenda they like to do their own thing so if it's not part of your agenda then why have them around it's not bad and good energy it's just what are you committed to having and what do you want to have versus what's being given to you to take right yeah if you want to take it then that's not good energy for you you need to get rid of it and a lot of these creatures want to give you stuff that you didn't ask for mm. because they love doing that that's fun for them they love playing with humans because so they can't that's what i wanted to understand like you mentioned yeah they have an agenda which i get and i 
like question all right so you know what's what's the agenda and why would they i don't know like to play around with humans and why do certain people attract jinns exactly how does that work that whole process i don't know actually right. <laughs> that's right. a good question mm, i think mm. it's attracted by what you're thinking about um what you're allowing in your life um if you have a curiosity for these things they will start to appear um, oh. you're kind of creating them you know so okay. talking about them makes them appear many people don't realize that conversation is everything it's your whole world so if you're talking about this stuff yeah you'll start to see them because they're everything existing all the time we're not separated from anything ever we are all connected to each other and to everything that exists so mm -hmm. if you can see it then you'll see that there's a lot going on all the time we just don't look and we can't see it and we don't need to see it all because it's not important mm. right but some people do see these things right they see gens they see ghosts they see good for them i don't want to see them I don't need to see them unless I'm trying to, unless I do need it, you know, then I will make it happen. But I am in control, not them. Mm -hmm. I'm the boss. And mm -hmm. that's what's important. We're not coming from that we're the boss because we lost our connection to God. God said, I made you in my likeness. We are made in God's likeness, which means we represent God. When we don't connect to our source, then we're a free for all. We can, you know, that's mm. the way that's the law <laughs> you have free choice you can choose you know that that part there i really like the the whole idea we have free choice we create our reality we are you know we're creators many people say we are co-creators there are many things with the bible which i guess for me feels a little bit uncomfortable where it's like if you don't abide by certain terms then you'll be thrown in the pit of fire and all this sort of stuff i can't remember where exactly it's written but there's a lot of stuff which is quite seems pretty scary with when it comes to the bible and i think yeah. if people wanted to be a bit more connected to god i think the the frightening stories is not really a motivating factor when trying to connect you know um and you've you've read over the Bible a few times, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was forced to read the Bible like a hundred times. That's insane. Wow. And now you're you're looking at the Quran as well. Comparing Yeah, it. so now I'm uh, I don't I don't read in Arabic, but I am you know, I'm exposed to it every day. I can hear it. And the, the interesting thing about Quran is that it is doesn't even need to be in English for me to understand a lot of it. Um, the messages of the Quran are conveyed in the frequency of the material. So you can really feel a lot of things from the Quran when it's coming out. Um, there's a lot of things in the religion, the Muslim religion that I wouldn't say that I understand it at all. You know, some of the rules and regulations and things like that. But the things in the Quran that um, that talk about God, he's not to be feared but he is our creator. So it's more of a, 
hey, thanks a lot for this beautiful journey. And, and all of the rules are to help us, not him. He doesn't care. Why would he care about our trip here, except that he loves us, right? The rules are for us. Everything is for us, even to pray. Praying five times a day is not a rule because he needs it. He doesn't need us to pray to him. We are praying to God in order to get what we need so that we can continue on and having a good life. And he says, if you do it five times a day, you're cleansing yourself, you're removing any bad thoughts, you're getting on your hands and knees and putting blood into your head. You know, you're doing a yoga position for a start. Um, you're, you're stopping your day from everything else that you've been doing and focusing on yourself for 10 minutes. There it is, five, day, five times a day, you are stopping everything that anybody wants from you and all your tasks and everything to give back to yourself energy. It's pretty smart, really. That's a brilliant exercise. I, I do like that. What's your thoughts on the different names which has been given to God? You know, people say Jesus was the son of God and there's there's people who say it's uh, Yehwah or something, Yahweh, Yehwah, something like that. Uh, Yahweh. Yahweh, yeah. Um, some say Jehovah. And then you've got the Quran, which is um, Allah. What's what's your thoughts on all these different names? Um. So, so in the Quran, the, the name of God, God is a title. God himself has 99 names. So okay. Yahweh is one of those 99 names. Right. And Jehovah is one of those 99 names. Um, Jesus is a prophet, according to the Quran. He's not God. He's a prophet sent by God. So son of God, prophet are the same, really. Um, it's kind of the same title, son of God, prophet. Um, yeah, there's 99 names. You can use any of them. They're all valid. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. What about the people saying that God is a he? Well, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter to me, he or she. Um, I really had a problem oh, with that it's... for a long time because I'm like, you know, oh, why do you call her a girl? But I think he has just always been used as kind of the universal, you know, the universal term for things. Like we've always used it that way as a hem. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it, but... I don't really see God as a gender specific entity. I feel like it's more of everything in one. Absolutely. Yeah. Or or nothing, you know, like gender is very specific for humans, not not for anything else, you know. It's very earth it's an earth thing. Yeah, which is what I think as well, absolutely. And so, you know, words having power you know, referring to God as he 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 all the time. It makes me think what was their agenda there i mean these words are spoken so you know you're gonna have a feeling with those words isn't it but not he in the sense of of a masculine nature it's not masculine energy this is the problem with our language is that we don't have words to describe other things right it's okay. just the energy that god is is everything Allah is everything that they say in the Quran. That means everything. <laughs> mm. So 
everything that you can imagine. So of course we're not gonna consolidate it down to a male energy because that wouldn't include everything. Mm. So that's the only thing that they really say. I think he, she, these terms that we're relating to describe are mainly should be used for humans, not for not for creators. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm just using it because it's um as in an English language, we just use he to describe something, right? The female is more of a specific. Um, if it's a female, then we talk about, I don't know. Actually. It's interesting. Because, you know, when, know, when we talk about like feminine energy. Um, uh, but God we, is feminine too. Otherwise... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like when we talk about feminine energy, um, we sort of associate that with creation, isn't it? But then refer to well, no, God as masculine and feminine to make something. No, I mean, if we're talking about yeah. making a baby, yeah. But in terms of yeah. creation, creation itself is supposed to be a feminine energy. I think maybe one of the reasons why people say mother nature or something. Mother uh, nature, mother's the, the feminine energy is the caretaker of the creation. It's not that it's male or female. It, you definitely need the yin and yang to create anything. So um, I think it's a combined effort. I think that's the problem with our society is we're making it one or the other. But both of the energies coming together is what makes the creation, right? So the mother is the caretaker of the creation. The masculine energy is um, the protector of the creation. Um, these forces working together is what makes it work. If you oh, just yeah. have one other, then... absolutely, yeah. I mean, they work together, but initially, that the the whole creation is supposed to be a feminine energy, not male or female, but just feminine. And obviously, you know, we we're supposed to work in synergy and use both masculine and energy within the planet, but it's very. Uh, masculine dominant um, well i don't think a woman would give birth to a child if she was just using feminine energy to do it because when you give birth you really tap into some masculine energy to make that happen okay. so even though she is giving birth she's still tapping into some you know hardcore energy there to make that happen so definitely feel like both of those energies are at play um I just feel like the the gender conversation is very limited in how we relate to it because we definitely like being a female, I sometimes I'm very masculine, but I'm still in my feminine right to do to be that way. And as you, you probably discover yourself feeling feminine sometimes in your feminine energy that doesn't take away from your masculinity because we are able to tap into both energies. We're made with both. That's why God is everything. Mm -hmm. We're both, we're operating as both. It's just that in our human forms, we have different roles to play. You know, I have a womb, so I will create life with my womb. Um, and I expect the male to protect that because I'm not gonna do both. I'm a female, mm -hmm. that's my job. You know mm. what I mean? But I'm still protective. <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm still a lioness. I will protect my 
my own. So you, you see what I mean? Like we, we do cross over our, our masculine. We have both, but mm. when it comes down to whether or not nature is just a woman, okay. I don't think it is. It can't just be female. It has to be male and female. And it's not just male it has to be male. That's the way our world is, you know, absolutely. If you go out of this world, the other realms are not like this at all. There's nobody talking about gender. Nobody cares. Everyone operating in a completely different highway. Um, there's no body parts or, you know, things are very non-gender mm. in other realms. It's, so they don't have non-binary. Is it, is it non-binary? <laughs> it's not anything. It's not a conversation, but yeah, I guess it would be non-binary. <laughs> if you want to say that, yeah. Definitely non-binary. Mm, mm. So because they're not in this realm, they don't have to fulfill the roles of. I mean, it it does all boil down to procreation, I think, um, because that is like humans love procreating. It's one of our joys in life. So you know, we're we're making many objects of ourselves. It's mm. so fun, really. If you, that's the fun part about it. It's hard work, but it's fun, and yeah. that's the God part. You know, we get to make that happen um that's that's the part of who we are as gods yeah it's so funny that we do this we make clones of ourselves and then we go to the doctor for prescriptions yeah like help, help me out that's a disconnect of who we are right mm. like i just made a clone of myself but i need somebody to tell me how to take care of <laughs> that's so weird mm. Mm. i don't yeah. understand it is fascinating isn't it yeah um, your book, what's the title of it again? Oh, um, it's called The Car Method, The Origin of Magic and Healing. The Car Method. Car. What does is, what is car mean? The Car Method. Car yeah. is one of the words for soul. Okay. Oh, it's such a fascinating conversation, actually. The soul has many parts to it and many different names, and each soul part and name refers to a different kind of part of the soul. Okay. So we have soul parts, not mm. just soul. Soul is a very basic name. We mm. have actually 11 parts to our 11 soul. parts to our soul, right? Yeah. And I, each part has a different function. And the ancient Egyptians really lived in this so that you have a soul for your physical body. You have a soul for your, um, for your name. Your name has a, has its own soul. Did you know that? That's why they live mm -hmm. on. Yeah, and wow. you have, you have a soul for um uh it's in my book actually. It's I can't remember everything now. Ba ka yeah, there's lots of names for it. This is all directly from hieroglyphic teachings, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's not my own idea. Um, but yeah, there are all the different parts. Amazing. So with someone purchasing your book, what can they expect from it? Um, you will get an overview of what the Ka um, method is, because what I did is I took Reiki positions and healing exercises from, you know, Reiki. You know what Reiki is, right? Well, if you could explain a bit more about Reiki, I mean, I've heard of like, you know, Reiki practitioners and people doing like massages with Reiki, but like in depth, I don't really know what it means. Really? Okay, so... Um, yeah, it's kind of a new, it's not practiced everywhere, 
Um, but anyway, I practiced with a guy from Brazil mm -hmm. who is an expert. You, you take, you know, you do like a certificate, like a yoga class and you learn Reiki, but you really, with Reiki, you have to be very gifted. You have to be very intuitive. Um, you use the function of being able to see somebody's body um, without being present with them. Like you can see them in your mind's eye and you can go through all of their energy and you can talk to their soul. You can send energy using your hands. Um, when I first stumbled upon it, I thought, there's no way this is going to work. You know, I'm like, uh, I don't think so. I think I need to be there. But then mm -hmm. uh, hand positions, like each part, like this, each, each hand gesture has a different role um, to send energy to yourself. So in the book, it teaches you how to do it to yourself. Right. Um, so they're hand positions. Each position is channeling a different energy into your blood. Um, and then I started studying about Reiki and it happens to be that it is an ancient Egyptian process. The art of channeling um, energy, as you can see, this is an old picture. Mm -hmm. uh, Egyptian picture there's a lot of this means ka so they were using these gestures to channel energy into their bodies and that's actually where Reiki came from Reiki is not a new concept it's a very old concept right. um, yeah and a lot of the wording that they use and a lot of the positions that they use are found in the hieroglyphics <laughs> right I see yeah it's fascinating how it all ties back into each other so I uh, love that yeah, how, how do you, how would you want a person to, um, yeah, what, what would you want a person to feel after reading your book? What, how would you want their, their lives to be changed, let's say? What would you expect them to be fulfilled in, in what way? I hope it does what, when I read my book, um, it's, it, the thing that I like about it is that it's just talking about how things go together. So it's bringing a lot of different elements that are in our world. You know, I took a lot of experts from different places to tell me about what they know. And then I just cross-referenced them back into ancient Egypt to see how everything connected together to make the whole body. So I hope that what you get from reading the book is a sense of wholeness and a sense of relief to think that, oh, that's why this is that way, you know, some kind of answer about why you feel the way you do. Um, hopefully it'll answer some questions. I'm, I'm taking a lot of different ideas and putting them together, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it, it reads like an easy book, but mm -hmm. once you read it, it's very, very deep because the information is deep. Each one of these is its own encyclopedia of information. Mm -hmm. Um, but it kind of brings the whole world together. All of the belief systems and everything that people are doing, we're actually all together doing it. And that's what I love about it. It's all we have to do is take it and put it all together and be like phenomenal because mm. we're all doing bits and pieces in our own way. But I feel like if we did more of bringing it all together instead of fighting each other on it or saying my way is right and your way isn't, um, it's not true. Everyone's adding something to the pot of stew. And then at the end of the day, we have a beautiful stew, you know? Mm. Um, so, but, but just seeing how things actually work together is exciting for me to see how different 
even different viewpoints and different religions, how they come together in certain ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. I, I hope you get a sense of peace actually from it um, and excitement about your life. Like, wow, I could take this herb and this stone and, you know, do this and that and then and create magic from it. You know, like mm -hmm. now I'm going to have this instead of this. Right. So um, I hope it gets used that way. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And where can your book be found? Um, it's only on Apple Books. That's the only place. Apple Books. What is it? An ebook? Yeah. It's an ebook. Mm -hmm. An ebook, yeah. Apple yeah. Books. And you can order if you want a real book, I can send one to you from my website. Right, right. Okay, cool. Um, do you have an audio book as well? No, oh. <laughs> not yet. I'm working I, I'm, on it. I'm an audiobook fan. I love Yes, audiobooks. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um okay okay cool cool and i will make an audiobook i actually started it but i haven't finished it yet so. oh right oh yeah. that'll be awesome that'll be awesome um where can people find you like um, people want to you know you've got social medias so people can see yeah. more of your your content yeah almondstar.com has a website and i'm on instagram um Instagram, yeah, yeah, I kind of stick to that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And um, yeah, that's about it. And Twitter sometimes, but I don't know. I don't like to spend a lot of my time making comments on social media. I'm more of a behind the scenes person. So yeah, yeah. No, it's just that you know some people might want to see what you get up to and stuff. If Instagram is mainly the place, then Instagram's great for that. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, look, Armin, it's been. It's been brilliant. It's been fantastic. Thank you so yeah, much. I love time. talking. Thank you so much. I love your topics and your podcast is really cool. Um, all of your other podcasts that I've been watching, it's really wonderful to have these conversations. And um, yeah, all I want to do is just encourage people to keep talking about this. It's way more fun to talk about this stuff than anything else. So mm. uh, yeah, I think it's Absolutely. really cool. Thank you. Thank you for shedding some light. Uh, there's, you know, because sometimes you might, I might speak to new people and there's lots of cross-referencing or things which sound pretty similar, but you actually opened a lot of new doors for me to think about. So yeah, yeah. It's going to be a great eye-opener for a lot of people who's not heard much of this stuff. So Yeah, your questions are really good, actually. They make me think about what I do know already and what I still don't really have an answer for. So it's cool. I just believe that we should keep wondering, you know, keep pondering. And um, we don't have to have all the answers, but it's fun to explore, you know? That's the whole point of it. Exactly, exactly. Thanks again, thanks again. And right. I hope you have Thank a... you. Mm. Wow. Pleasure. Yes. Well, you have an incredible day and um, I look forward to sharing this. Um, appreciate it. Have an amazing day. Yeah, thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Roger Snipe Show podcast. It is my goal to find incredible guests who have extraordinary stories or advice. Education is key. The more we learn, the more we can also teach. It's also about remaining curious and hungry for knowledge to progress. All sponsored ads and affiliations are from only reputable brands or companies which I have personally vetted and trust. 
please take advantage of these codes and subscriptions to increase savings on all products. If you get a moment, I would greatly appreciate a review as this helps to increase visibility and allows me to share with more amazing people just like you. Be phenomenal and stay blessed.